Okay. So, you know what's funny is that when you get really excited for things that shouldn't be that exciting, <laughs> that seem like such small achievements when it comes to something audio related, where it's like, oh my gosh, so I set up this loopback machine that takes my virtual audio from this, pipes it in through this, and then ducks the sound when I'm talking, so you notice a 10% gain reduction in the music when I talk. And people are like, what? <laughs> I do this all the time with my wife, and she's just like, yeah, huh, cool. You're like, no, but I figured it out and I finally got the levels right. And I set up this auto, you know, automation to have a, you know, volume adjusted this way and this way. And I found a way to trim the silences. And she's, uh huh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, honey. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Gotta love it. So uh, these, these small victories, right? The, the horrible thing is when they ask you, so how long did that take? Um, uh, it doesn't matter because I figured it out on my own. And that's what counts. It's my hard work. Exactly. And the really sad thing is it probably took like multiple sessions of multiple days. Mm -hmm. It's like you never settle on the first draft. You know, you got to try no. like at least two more times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, OK, it kind of worked that time, but I know it could be better. What can I do to make it better? Yeah, oh, that's great. I got some new stuff for my desk. So now I have a lot more desk room, but I rearranged everything and realized that all the cables that I had to fit the exact right length were for all of the stuff being in the old positions, not the new positions. Oh, no. Oh, it's like, all right, well, now I got to order stuff. So I had like a price match alert for it, and it was down to $75 is what I wanted. And it would go in and out of stock, in and out of stock. And then I found out that we get like a company discount for this other one. So I went to go do that one. I was like, oh, okay, well, that one's down to 60 bucks, you know, like I can get that one. So then when I went to that one is $60, but then they wanted $20 for ground shipping. Get and I was like, well, here. okay, we're back up to $90. So no. <laughs> uh. So I dug through my wallet and found an old Guitar Center gift card. <gasps> hey. That still have $48 on it. Hey, that's kind of a gold mine. It's just, seriously. You never find more than like $5 on a random Guitar Center gift card in your wallet. Right. So I'm like, this thing must have had $50 on it. I'm like, what did I use a gift card for $2 worth of stuff at Guitar Center? Did I just go picks? buy picks? Like, <laughs> <laughs> picks, I'll pay with this gift card, please. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. So I ordered that, so it should come on Monday. Nice. Yeah, so big things, big things. All good things. Yes. Also, I ate a ton of ramen, like a ton of ramen. I am so, so full, like it is unbelievable. Did you guys like go out to dinner to a place or something? Or? Yeah. So usually like on Fridays or Saturdays, we'll all go out to dinner. I just I always forget how much ramen they give you. It's so much ramen. It's an human amount of ramen. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a lot of restaurants in general like tend to give you pretty big portions. Well, America. Yeah, America. Which I'm like the worst at trying to control how much I eat because I like dessert. But I'm not like a big fan of it. I'm not always seeking out dessert. I'm more about like if the main dish is really good, I would rather just eat that and nothing else and be stuffed. And that's usually what ends up happening. Like I end up finding something on the menu that's so good that I'm just like, I don't want to stop eating. My whole thing is, yeah, if you put it in front of me, I'm going to eat it. You know, like there is no self-control there. Like it's not like yeah. oh, I'll eat half and then take the rest home. Like that's not that's not what happens. Yeah, that's a hard thing to practice. It really is. It almost seems like it's too much work or there's too much anxiety with worrying about what I'm going to do with the other half, when I'm going to eat yeah. it, if it's going to taste as good as it did when I first yeah. took a bite into it. Like there's all these variables that come into play and I'm like, 
Or I could just be a horrible person and eat all of it. Yeah. I mean, that's an option too, right? So I spend a little bit extra time on the treadmill or the bike. I mean, eh, that's life. Yeah, it all works out, right? But then yeah. you never, you're so like full of food that you never actually get on the bike that night. So it's like, yeah, exactly. It just kind of sits. And then the next day you're just like, oh, I'm still so stuffed. Like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to work out twice as hard today because I forgot to work out yesterday. Now we just need to learn self-control. Self-control. That's, but it's uh, hard. It's hard. And for us metalheads, we don't know that. We are always taking it to 11 and beyond. To 11 and beyond like Toy Story? Like Toy Story. I was trying to fit in as much other stuff in there as I could. <laughs> See, I couldn't help <laughs> yeah. myself. I had no self-control. <laughs> I tried to put in everything as yeah. much as I could. And then Toy Story came into play. Exactly. So today, I thought since this is our... 11th episode Woo! almost at the 11th hour that we're recording oh man i didn't yeah. look at that i just i just noticed that i was looking at the time i don't know if there's another one another 11 in there 11th episode 11th hour i guess just taking it to 11 that's that's the trifecta there it is we we did it we fit in a trifecta finally finally it's not the artist album song that i was waiting for but i'll take it Okay, that will definitely have to be homework for next episode. We each have to find one song that's a trifecta. Same band, album, song. All right. So, taking it to 11, that is what metal is notorious for. That's what makes it so memorable. So, I figured, why not take a look at some bands who take it to 11? Doesn't have to be just with the music. I think there's... A lot of different ways bands can take it to 11. Stage presence, just the things that they do outside of music. For example, a lot of the hair metal bands did partying. There's other things that bands have done that have been not so good that have been taking it to 11 in a certain way, which we'll get into. But there's a lot of different ways bands take it to 11. But before we get to that, what is the song that's been stuck in your head this week? So the song that stuck in my head, we talked a while back when we talked about the women in metal. One of the bands we talked about was Epica. Mm -hmm. And I've been going through my backlog of stuff to listen to. And this came up, Epica came up. So I started listening to like their essentials right there, their typical curated list. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not a closet anime fan. I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, I, I guess I'm a casual anime fan. I'm not like watching every single anime out there. But once I find an anime that I do like, I will definitely watch the bejesus out of it. Yeah, I've known that about you since high school. <laughs> since high school. Jeez, <laughs> I didn't know it was that early, but okay, cool. Uh, yeah, man, you were always watching Cowboy Bebop, and I'm like, hey, that's cool, but like, I just never really got into it. It's not my thing, but that's cool. Man, I'm cooler than I thought I was, because I didn't think yeah, I was watching Cowboy Bebop in high school. But, yeah, you uh, were, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Good. At least someone does. Uh, that, that's all that matters. So... Come to find out that Epica actually has covered some of the songs from an anime. What? Yes. And that anime is Attack on Titan. Tight. Yes. So you take Epica, which, you know, is epic, you know, uh, opera singing with metal, you know, instrumentation. And you take Attack on Titan, whose theme already kind of fits that style. But, like you said, let's crank it up to 11. Epica's like, yeah, we, we can do that. We, we can take that over. So the title song from Attack on Titan is called Crimson Bow and Arrow. And Epica, this is their rendition of that song. 
And it, if you've ever seen Attack on Titan, the it's so memorable. Uh, I dig it already. Oh my yes. god. I mean, ah, oh, and they just did it get right into it. I love the guitar. God, there's something just about like the symphonic instruments, a full choir, your metal, typical metal instruments. Oh my god, it's just such a great combo. Yes. And I'm not going to lie, I've listened to this album because they do a bunch of songs. I've listened to it probably 20 times in the last week. Holy cow, man. It just kind of has that that feel to like get me in to like the day. And I just in my head start picturing Attack on Titan and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta watch Attack on Titan now. Like this is uh, everything that I need to do. But uh, yes, this this song was so great. I mean, taking one thing that I love, anime, and then adding in metal into that. uh, Perfect. And I know I showed you this too when not the Epica version, but just the normal version of right. like mm-hmm. this theme song. And when I found out Epica did, you know, their rendition of it, I was like, oh, I need this now. Oh, nice. Man, that makes me want to go check out Attack on Titan now because I did listen to some of that music and I was just completely blown away. I was like, holy cow, man. Like, this is on a whole nother level. Like, there's influences from so many different styles of music. It's insane. It's okay. I'll convert you into an anime neckbeard yet. You just wait. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, cringe. All right. Accepted. It's okay. If I find like one or two animes that I like, I could just stick with those. Or just do like, you know, one or two at a time. We'll be okay. It's all about self-control, Steve. Self-control. Self-control. So, uh, for me, the song that's been stuck in my head is one that I wasn't expecting because... I had kind of gone through like most of the music I listened to in 2018 on Spotify. So I decided to just throw on, it's like the uh, Discover Weekly playlist or whatever. And I decided I'm not going to look at the artist, song title, any of that junk. I'm just going to let it play. I had some stuff I was doing at home anyway. And this song by a band called Trollfest came on. I've heard this band before. A couple of my friends from Wisconsin always talk about this band and just how ridiculous they are. They're just a very silly, silly band. They're from Norway. A lot of their lyrics are in what they call troll language, but in Norwegian. So I don't know how to say it in Norwegian, so I'm not even going to try. But it's not even like true Norwegian. It's like a mix of Norwegian and German and other languages. So it's all made up. It's just 100% gibberish. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like every movie made up language ever, right? You know, take influences from a couple and make some funny sounds, and there we go. Exactly. And they have this song called Brumblebossen. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. So this, it just sounds really, really funny. I was looking at the cover art, and already it looked kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) Already getting into it. Already. So it's, it reminds me of like, a mix of black metal, folk metal, trying to cover Flight of the Bumblebees. Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good description. Yeah. That's probably exactly what it is. They were just like, this is what we think we should do, because like, you know, Henry over here is learning, uh, flight of the bumblebees on his violin and he's getting pretty good at it maybe you know we all like black metal let's just do that yeah 
but it's so weird it's so different compared to other metal that you know i'm used to listening to but it was just so fun and it's really just been stuck in my head for a while now that's always nice when like you said you've gone through your catalog and now one of the big thing is you know for these services to have like that discover weekly or new music or right some other way for you to consume something different and it's always fun, like you said, when you're just kind of not paying attention to it, but something grabs your ear. And this is definitely, you know, the epitome of like, oh, let's do something kind of with a little bit of shock value to tie you in and then get you something extra to get you to stay. This is definitely like something that encompasses that, right? It's just weird enough where you're like, wait, what, what, what's going on? And then you listen more, you're like, this is great. This is everything I want right now and more. And then now you have another band that goes on your favorite list and everyone wins. Exactly. So now I took a look at their catalog on Spotify, and it's pretty extensive. So now that'll be something I'll be slowly working my way through. Thanks, Spotify, for turning me on to a new band. Good guy, Spotify. Good guy, Spotify. All right. In this one scenario. (laughs) Yeah, in this one scenario. Yeah, we... (laughs) Oh, Uh, music. It's such a love-hate relationship. It really is. And they've got a good business model for consumers. So, I mean, it works for us who are purchasing it and consuming the music. Anywho, (laughs) moving on. Today, we are going to talk about bands who take it to 11. Now, in a genre of bands that consistently take it to 11, it can be pretty hard to stand out, I think, from the crowd, right? So when I think about bands, metal bands especially, who take it to 11, the number one band who sticks out in my mind is Guar. Just everything they do, they're just completely over the top with their costumes. They've got stage names. They've got complete backstories for all of these characters that they embody. It's perverse. It's all for shock value, right? Just, you know, whatever is going to get people to notice them. And I can't say that I'm too familiar with tons of their music, but there are a handful of songs that I do know, one of which is Bring Back the Bomb. So anytime I think of Guar, I think of this song. Uh, can I just say that I have personally been peed on by Guar? What? Yeah. When? Oh, man, this was back in the day. I forget which tour it was, but it was down in uh, at Soma in San Diego. That they had it in the parking lot. And it was uh, with like a bunch of different bands uh, who was there. Oh man, I'm forgetting all of the bands now. Uh, Azalea Dying played, Trivium played, Guar played. Uh, there were a bunch of other bands that, that played. And it was like some festival type thing, but it was an all day thing. And I can remember when Guar came on, there was like people just selling white t-shirts because, you know, there's all manner of fluids that get spewed out from mechanical whatever. Right, uh, right. And I got peed on definitely by one of the members of Guar. And then I also <laughs> got another body fluid on me from that same organ. <laughs> and it, it, it was an experience, man. I mean, and that's the thing is when you talk about Guar, the music is out there. It's taking it up to 11. It's, you know, metal music that's out there. But like you said, their stage presence is really what takes that away, right? Where they're like, we're going to take, you know, our characters to 11, but our stage presence, we're going to do everything. And like I said, it's it's kind of for a lot of shock value, but then also having something to keep you saying. There are people who are like invested in, you know, the band and the backstory and 
I mean, they slayed a dragon up on stage and they murdered President Bush right in front of my eyes. <laughs> this is like watching, you know, a play while these people are singing. It's like modern metal Romeo and Juliet. Like it's a metal Shakespeare performance happening right in front of my eyes. And this is great. That's so rad. I had no idea you saw Guar. I'm really jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, and to be honest, like back then, I didn't know who they were or what was even happening. <laughs> so you had no idea what you were getting into. <laughs> like I said, if, if I would have known, I might have moved back a little bit because I wasn't wearing the white T-shirt that I expected to get completely demolished. I had just bought, you know, like a tour T-shirt that I had put on over my other T-shirt and uh, it got a bunch of pee all over it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like SeaWorld. They don't warn you with like a splash zone, like, you know, stand five rows back. And I'm sorry, man, it went more than five rows, too. It was hitting like the back row. Like you had to go stand by the hot dogs, like if you wanted to like not get peed on. Oh, uh, it's like fire hose pressure then. Yeah, <laughs> to get definitely. It back that far. Yep, yep. You know, when you picture Quentin Tarantino movies, right, where like a limb flies off and oh, just blood sprays yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it was like, like Kill that, Bill and you stuff. know, yeah. When they slayed that dragon, that mechanical like dragon beast thing that was there, it sprayed everywhere. Oh, my goodness. That is hilarious. Oh, gosh. Wish I could have been there. Good time. Good time. Moving right along here, I think the other band that comes to mind right after Guar in terms of taking it to 11 would have to be Iron Maiden. They're just a very classic band. They've been around for a long time. They've made a career out of taking it to 11, not only for, you know, their music, what they stand for, but also I think the biggest thing that I find the way they take it to 11 the most is with their live shows, similar to Guar but uh, less fluids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little a little drier, if you know it, what I it, mean. It's like. a little dry, yeah. It's that dry British thing going on. <laughs> that dry British metal performance that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> exactly. But for anyone who hasn't seen or been to an Iron Maiden concert, there are huge, huge stage props and setups. They have 10, 12, 15 different variations of Eddie coming out who are all like, 10 12 15 feet high just climbing around it's flamethrowers going everywhere like they pretty much like wrote the book on like what a metal show should be and every big metal band since then i think has kind of tried to follow what they did so i've been to one iron maiden show like 10 years ago and out of all the songs that they played the one that stuck out to me the most was the number of the beast Yeah, Iron Maiden, like you said, one of the original metal bands to really showcase the stage performance. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, like on their albums, but really taking the stage, like this this whole live performance and bringing all that flair out. Like you said, having giant props and this and that. And being a band from early 80s at the kind of the dawn of the genre, like you said, they wrote the book. Mm -hmm. They wrote the Book of Souls. Yeah, catch that pun. Stephen has puns. Ah. Ah. Stereo effect. Ah. Bandit to left and right. Ah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, man, every bad pun is just like minus 10 listeners. <laughs> or plus. You never know. Or plus. So maybe it just evens out. <laughs> maybe it's minus 10 plus 5. Okay. How do we how do we get that to add up to eleven though? Ooh. I don't know. We have to do uh 
minus five plus six like 11 times. <laughs> minus five plus six, six, six. six. Oh, man. <laughs> man, I set that up and I didn't even know it. Uh, oh, yeah. There we go. I'm here to just, you know, like just the last mile, like layup, you know, like. I you're, get the rebound. To, yeah, you're <laughs> here, here to, to finish my puns. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to clean up the mess after it's. <laughs> I'm like, oh. What am I going to make with this? Uh, stew. Good stuff. So, yeah, Iron Maiden, very classic band. Love their stage performance. I remember when you you texted me that you were at an Iron Maiden concert at one point in time because I was like asking you a question. You're like, bro, I'm at an Iron Maiden concert. I can't answer you right now. I'm like, what? Oh, well, I'm not at an Iron Maiden concert. It's kind of the same revelation that you're having with me and Guar, right? It's like, what? Yeah. where did you go? What? I feel so betrayed. <laughs> but I think this is when you were in LA, right? And that's when you went to go see them? Uh, yeah, so it was at the time I was going to MI. Nicole had surprised me with tickets to Iron Maiden. They were playing in Irvine, I think. So I drove down and she was going to UC Irvine at the time. Awesome day night, an Iron Maiden concert. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was such a memorable show. Like, that's easily the best show I've ever been to. We were really far back, up on the grass. Like, we weren't even close. They were just little specks on the stage from where we were at, right? But there were still people packed way to the back. And I remember in at least one area, I think maybe even two, during one song, I can't remember which, these guys had just started a bonfire on the grass. I don't know what they were burning, but what? all of a sudden I look over and there's this huge fire with flames that are like 10 feet high. I'm like, what the hell? How did that work? <laughs> I have no idea. They must have come prepared. That's all I can think. So here's a question for you, Steve. You're getting pretty old, you know, if I do Thanks. say so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not the one with three kids <laughs> well that doesn't mean i'm old that just means you know like i have three kids <laughs> uh, uh, anywho what's your question <laughs> um do you would you still mosh it depends it would have to be something like really really heavy like nothing that's more on like the symphonic side because anything that's more symphonic like i want to pay attention more but it just has to be really heavy like brutal something more on the lines of death metal i think Okay. Yeah, so I guess when, whenever I go to metal concerts, it's usually kind of like the thrash metalcore is what the genre that I kind of hit, right? So that usually lends pretty well to having, you know, big mosh pits. Yeah. So the last band that I went and saw live was, I think, Trivium in, I want to say, 2016. Okay. And I definitely went front row, right? Like pushed my way up to the front, made way, made way up there with my old man self, you know, pushing people out of the way. Like, get your teenage yeah. butt over there and go <laughs> sit down in the corner. Kids. You're in timeout. Make room for my walker. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, you know, front row up there, you know, singing, singing along, playing around. And then I went in the pit for a little while because, you know, it was like a couple rows back behind me. Mm -hmm. And man, it's just a good time. I will say that, you know, moshing in your 30s, <laughs> it uh, hits you a lot harder than it does man, when you're in your 20s. <laughs> the next day, I didn't, I didn't know what I did. I was like, did I work out yesterday? Like, what, what happened? Why am I sore? Also, why do I smell really bad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I always have to take a shower immediately after going to a show and being anywhere remotely close to the pit. <laughs> I'm just so exhausted, though. I was out there moshing the whole time. I don't, I don't have time to take a shower. I just want to go home and sleep. <laughs> 
Uh, I do it even if I am tired because I'm like so OCD about being clean before I go to bed. I don't want to like be all dirty and then like sleeping in it. Sometimes, yeah, if you just get so tired, you just don't want to do anything. You're just like, screw it. See, there you go. Metal mosh pits up to 11, dirtiness up to 11, tiredness everything, up to 11. Everything up to 11. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a theme of this episode. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Hmm. It's almost like we planned this or something. Oh, hmm. That gives us too much credit. I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, one. yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Metalheads don't plan for anything. No, no. Moving right along. So another way bands take it to 11 would be for their partying. This was definitely notorious in the 80s with all of the hair metal bands. We haven't really talked too much about hair metal bands on here. So I think we're slowly starting to you find some them ways after to... like the first episode. First episode? You nixed him after... you. Well, okay, you kind of like wrote off proto-metal from like the very beginning. I guess it's not hair metal. That wasn't my way of saying we shouldn't talk about it. I was just saying like, <laughs> okay, at that time, you gave me an ultimatum. You're like, okay, if you had to choose one That's thing true. to eliminate... I gave you Sophie's choice. But I mean, hair metal is very unique, you know? It was coming at a time where like metal was still trying to figure out what it was and... They were all inspired by a lot of like the early punk bands too, which is where they got a lot of their writing style, their just their demeanor about everything and being just total party animals. Like they wanted to take it to 11, see how much destruction they can cause. So I think the band that probably embodies this the most is Motley Crue. And one of my favorite songs by them is Kickstart My Heart. Such a classic intro. I remember this was the intro for GTA 3. Not GTA 3, GT3. Oh, GT3. Yeah, I know what you mean. I knew exactly what you meant. Because yeah. <laughs> we used to play it together so much. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Those endurance races, man. There's no yeah. way you can do that by yourself. No way. No way. You got to pass the controller over. Go take a break. Grab a drink of water and a snack. <laughs> go to the bathroom, man. <laughs> yeah, go to the bathroom. <laughs> Forget eating and drinking. At least go to the bathroom. You don't have those sweet funnel systems like the drivers do. <laughs> okay, so I haven't done that much research on racing. Is, is there really a funnel system? I know for off-road drivers. I don't know how it is for track drivers. Oh, off-road would be the worst, too. You're bouncing around the whole time. Like like the Baja trucks and stuff, they have like a, a funnel like cup thing that like hooks up to like their suit that they wear. Nice. <laughs> and it just goes to like a hose that just like sits outside. <laughs> It's the same apparatus that Guar used to pee on me. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, man. <laughs> Dual purpose. So we've talked about hair metal and the themes that they have, right? One was partying and then the other is getting busy. Yep. Yep. So when you talk about like trying to find, you know, their niche or try to find their voice, Motley Crue, especially, right? And other bands of that same era and ilk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was how hard can we party? And the answer is pretty freaking hard. And in some cases... Maybe too hard. Yeah, maybe too hard to the point where you don't come back, which, okay, then that's where the limit is, I guess. Yeah. So. What's after 11? That. I mean, they found it and maybe not in like the best of ways in, in hindsight, but you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I've had a couple listeners recommend or mention that I need to watch the Motley Crue documentary that's roaming around on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Yep, I watched it, was it last weekend? It was entertaining, I think, as far as documentaries go, because all of the band members had input on it, 
I think they tried to tell their story as true as they could while still making it an entertaining movie. So like it wasn't like a 100% documentary. It was like, I guess, one of those rockumentaries, I guess they call them. I'm not too familiar with that genre, but it's like following, you know, these actors who are portraying them as kids, right? And just kind of like how they grew up in this time and place and, and all of that. So it's like the docudrama. Docudrama, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what like the official term, but docudrama. I like that. Or rockudrama, maybe. <laughs> Rockumentary. Rockumentary. Rockdramentary. So it's really funny how this podcast is like half music podcast, half language podcast, because I feel like we're always like trying to come up with different words and stuff. If anyone is listening to us as a language podcast, like they're in the wrong place. I mean, like you <laughs> took the wrong turn at Duolingo and ended up here. Like, <laughs> hey, man, maybe we should just put language as the tag for this so we can get some more listeners. I'm sure Rosetta Stone. I know that I think that is a tool song or Rosetta <laughs> Stoned or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But we are not Rosetta Stone. We will not teach you a new language. We can't even master the language that we have. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But anywho, I think the movie was entertaining. I think I did read something about someone had written a bad review about it. And I think it was just because they didn't think it was culturally appropriate nowadays because of all the stuff that they did. And it's just like, well, yeah, like that's kind of what it was. That's kind of <laughs> why we don't do that stuff now, right? Like it, you yeah. have to look back and look at your mistakes and say, yep, that was a mistake. We're never going to do that again type thing, right? You acknowledge it and you move on. We can't just, like, wipe it under the blanket and pretend it never happened. Right, exactly. Oh, well, that's going to get too political, so we'll skip yeah. past that <laughs> and move into something that's not quite on the right track, you know, especially when we're already getting <laughs> kind of derailed, because this next band you want to talk about here... Yeah, it's definitely kind of along the same sort of lines, but it's paying homage to those 80s hair metal bands, and that is Steel Panther. They definitely take what the 80s hair metal bands did, and they just crank that up even more. So I seen them like once or twice, maybe a number of years back. Again, a really fun concert, a lot more nudity than I was expecting to see, but that's what you get with these shows. So they do have a really, really funny and awesome song called Death to All But Metal. Steel Panther just has fun songs. They really do. And they got really catchy riffs, too. Yep. Satchel's a really good guitarist. It may be like a quote-unquote joke band, but he knows how to play. They all know how to play. Right. I think, you know, when you say joke band, you know, it, it's... I don't want to say it's a joke, right? I think they just created a new genre where it's like a comedy genre for hair metal, right? That's sure, that's always yeah. the way I thought of it. It was like, it was just hair metal comedy style. It's like Tenacious D, right? Tenacious D is a comedy band, right? Their band right, is all about, yeah. you know, funny songs. It, it, but they play instruments and they sing the songs. They write everything, you know? They do that. And Steel Panther is just like, actually having a full metal ensemble paying homage mm -hmm. and paying tribute to the bands that cranked it to 11 back in the day, but adding some modern flair and a little bit more humor and kind of like shedding, I don't want to say making fun of the situation or making light of the situation, but like having fun with it. I yeah, think is, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. Maybe joke band like wasn't the right term, but that's just the one that came to my mind at the moment. Oh, and trust me, I know you. I got you. We know each other. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to clarify for all the listeners out there, Steve doesn't think they're a joke band. 
All right, moving right along. I think the classic way that any metal band can take it to 11 is just with their music alone, right? Whenever I think of bands who musically take it to 11, I'm automatically starting to think about bands who are on the more extreme side of metal. So like death metal, sometimes black metal, grindcore, things like that. One band that really sticks out for me in this genre is going to be Rings of Saturn. Some of their music, it doesn't almost even sound like music. Like it's really pushing the boundaries of what is music and what is noise. I don't even know anymore. But... All of these guys can play this music. So, I mean, that's got to be an awesome, like, proficiency achievement in and of itself. So it definitely deserves some recognition. They've got one song that's just absolutely nuts called Senseless Massacre. Whoa. I just rolled back on my chair a little bit. Yep. So a lot of the times with like death metal, with grindcore, a lot of things, the things that kind of turn me off are the vocal tracks. Like it really just throws me off. You and everyone else. I know, right? And that's such a such a typical thing that you that you hear. But I I love to appreciate technical players and technical playing. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to this, I'm just like, you, you start isolating different tracks, right? And maybe this is just you know something that people who have you know played in a band or who have recorded albums or recorded tracks that's what they do is they try to isolate out you know the sounds right because it's all put together and then you deconstruct it right it's just i guess a habit that you develop over time once you start expressing interest or playing music Mm -hmm. so what i find myself doing with, with songs like these is i will try to just literally isolate you know guitar and i'll just listen to guitar and i just appreciate what the guitar is doing and then i'll listen to bass or listen to drums and I try to ignore the things that I'm not 100% sold on, even though it doesn't, you know, float my boat, right? I still appreciate everything that it's doing. Right. And I'm just floored every time like a band comes out that is this technical and puts it all together where, like you said, it's it's bordering on noise, but you can still see it as as music in, in a lot of cases. I will definitely say like anything that's on the extreme side is not something like you're going to throw on usually in the background of you doing like your normal routine most of the time. That style of music tends to be something that does require, like you said, more attention to be able to isolate out what actually is happening to really be able to appreciate it. Yeah, it's not the music you brush your teeth to. No, well, I mean, they might get real clean. (laughs) If you're trying (laughs) to match the the speed of the drone, just... (laughs) (laughs) Who needs a motorized brush at that point? Yeah, BPMs, brushes per minute. Oh, there we go. Nice. (laughs) Metallurgy podcast, developing our own acronyms. Shoot. Or brushes per metal album. Brushes. Ah, we're pushing it. We're pushing it. I know, I know. I'm trying We're to push it to 11. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, brushes per minute. Brushes per minute. I like it. We can stick with that. All right, moving on. So as far as bands taking it to 11, going back to the, you know, outside of the music realm, black metal is a genre that I think is kind of always trying to outdo each other in terms of extremity, you know, how extreme, evil, dark can they be? And I think that all really stems from one of the original black metal bands, and that is Mayhem. I won't go too much into detail about 
their history other than church burnings, suicide, murder, all of that happening before their debut album released. For those of you not familiar, that sort of story about that band was told in the book and now recently released movie, Lords of Chaos. So go check that out if you're interested in more details. But one of their classic songs off of their first album is called Freezing Moon. Yeah, you know, bands that have like kind of this history, I mean, it's not something that's common or exclusive just to metal or black metal, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you see a lot in other genres, namely like hip hop and rap is famous for having beefs, right? Right. Yeah. I'm noticing that a lot more now, too. Yeah. And and where it gets it gets a little crazy at times, right? There's a lot going on. Other music out there is meant to push like an agenda, too, right? Like, so they have songs that are kind of I mean Rage Against the Machine is really good at this too right it's a very mm-hmm. politically charged fight the system you know overthrow the establishment almost at the point where they try to like brainwash where they say the same thing over and over and over again right and it's like chance to get you not brainwashed but really to get one image stuck in your head right it's kind of like a rallying call too in a way of trying to like bring people together like not only for the music but for like that higher sort of purpose or thing that they're talking about. Yeah. So with Mayhem in particular, right? This band that has kind of been like I said this isn't something common in metal, right? Where you don't have this giant, you know, rap sheet or this giant like I don't want to say beef but like history outside of just the music itself. Right. Where there's a lot of stuff going on just with the band in general. And with the band's actions and with members of the band, all sorts of stuff kind of happening. Yeah. It's up to the listener to, you know, decide how that plays into their listening of the album or the artist, right? If that affects their interpretation of the music itself, or if you divorce, you know, everything that they are away from the music itself. I think I've mentioned that, you know, like, I love Tom Cruise movies, but I don't love Tom Cruise, you know, like... (laughs) Tom Cruise is a guy, and Tom Cruise is pretty crazy, but Tom Cruise does some pretty awesome stunts and some some lots of Mission Impossible movies, and I I like that. I sign up for that, but Tom Cruise as a person, I'm kind of like, well, you know, Tom Cruise is a guy, but he makes good movies. Yeah, and I think now in our current time and cultural, social climate, it's a really hard thing to do. I think it was a lot easier to be able to kind of dismiss the bad things that, in this case, artists do for the sake of, oh, their music's good. I think nowadays it's a lot harder to do that, specifically like with Mayhem. There's no original member left in Mayhem. The only remaining original member, I think, who's like alive is a complete asshole. Like just that's really what it is. He's just an asshole. He's not a good guy. He's very racist. He does a lot of awful stuff. He was in jail for murder for a long time. Yeah, like they made this great album that sounded really awesome and like it completely defined a genre. And I don't know if we would really have black metal without them or at the very least black metal would not be the same without them. So it's really hard to kind of be like, okay, I understand your contributions, but also you're a complete asshole and an awful person. Yeah. And, and this, like you said, in this kind of culture and time, like we have a lot of stuff coming to the forefront just with other genres too, right? You look at uh, things with Michael Jackson, you look at the things with R. Kelly, right? You look at all of that and now you're going back and you're like, wow, it's influential what they did to the music industry, but 
do you want to continue to support someone who's been kind of like a really just bad human being? Yeah, exactly. So it's a moral dilemma that we all kind of have to deal with at one point or another. But I think maybe for today's purposes, we can just try and appreciate the music if for what it is. I'm sure by playing it on Spotify, we're not really supporting them all that much. So we can kind of feel safe in that, I guess. It's up to you. You either click on it to play it or you don't. Yeah, exactly. So moving right along with more bands who take it to 11. One thing that I find really, really funny, especially with extreme metal, is that how hard bands try to outdo each other in terms of band names, song names, band logos, right? Whenever I think of that, this one band comes to mind. Now, this band name is an acronym. It's, it has an X at the beginning and the end. There's a bunch of letters in the middle that you cannot even pronounce to make a word. Like the acronym is just like that. So I know we're not English pros, but that is that is not a word. That is any... not a word. It's like if you got if you were playing a. Uh, something uh, like a game and you were rage quitting and you were just slamming your fist on the keyboard that's what this band name is you know when they say like you know just mash your keyboard to you know uh, like create a secure password this is what the secure password would be yeah exactly no one's gonna guess this so i won't try to just say out every letter but what i will do is i'm going to read the entire full name of this band but be prepared because there's going to be a lot of bleeps. You're really not going to fully appreciate this band name just from our podcast episode alone. So after this, you'll have to go uh, Google it yourselves. But here it goes. Acidic liquid generated by mass amounts of inside the of a nun under the roof of a church while a and an immense over his first dude i gotta wash my ears out yeah man Holy i gotta smokes. take a shower now <laughs> that's bad <laughs> yeah. i'm so dirty <laughs> that's so bad i feel so gross <laughs> and that's just the band name you got a song title to get through yet here too <laughs> <laughs> it took us like two minutes to prep you <laughs> for what the band name was but yeah oh we forgot that the song name is just as complex it's just as complex but we took some time beforehand to practice it we use google translate to make sure that we're pronouncing each section of it right so here it goes numano ultra microscopic Silico volcano coniosis. Oh, I think I did it. Damn, son. I mean, I think that's a win. Yeah. So we we mentioned before cranking it to eleven, where it still kind of sounded like music. Mm-hmm. This cranks it to eleven. Like you said, tries to just like one up. Like, all right, let's let's one up it. Let's make a crazy band name, make a crazy song name, and make some crazy music. And on top of that, too, like, this whole genre is littered with band logos that are pushing the extremes of what is actually legible, right? So this band just takes it to a completely different level. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned this because I was looking at this artwork and I know there's a lot of memes out there, which is like, you know, all the fun that people have with names. And with a name like this, you think like, okay, like, are they even going to try? Like, oh, no, they tried. They tried real hard. 
It's just a mass of ink just like splattered, really. And it's all in black and white and it's all in the crazy jagged, you know, letters. There is no way that that logo is. Can you imagine trying to like screen put that on a T-shirt? Like put that as like vector art on a website? Like impossible. I really hope that if this person had gotten like a graphic artist to make this logo, if he was just like, no, you missed a letter. <laughs> oh, that would be epic. <laughs> I could totally see that the graphic artist just losing it. Uh, no, there were supposed to be four S's. You only did three. Yeah, well, this is what you sent me. So <laughs> yeah. you spelled it wrong. That's your fault. <laughs> I am charging by the letter. So if you guys really want to pay for the extra oh, gosh. one. <laughs> charging by the letter. Oh, my gosh. That would be brutal. <laughs> oh, but yes, this band in every way, mostly for the name and the band logo, definitely cranks it to 11. To round out our list of bands who take it to 11, I don't want to say we're bringing it down a notch uh, in terms of what we just went through, but this band definitely still takes it to 11 in a lot of ways. Definitely with their live shows, with their lyrical content, their music videos even are just always over the top. One of my favorite German metal bands, and that is Rammstein. They have a lot of really good songs. They have a huge catalog. I went with the song Benzene, and there is a live version of this from a DVD, I believe, that they released. You can find it on YouTube. It's live in Madison Square Garden. And the intro of this video is their keyboardist just walking on a treadmill. Just, you know, it's got one spotlight on him. He's in some weird outfit, just walking on a treadmill, playing his, playing his keyboard. Yeah, and I'm like, hamster wheel much? I'm like, okay, I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> just like everything they do is so weird. And like, you're left wondering, like, what the hell is going on? When you picked this song, I was like, oh, okay, like I've seen some Romstein stuff, right? I remember them. I love them in Triple X, right? Triple yeah, X. Yeah, yeah. Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. What can you get more metal than Vin Diesel? Well, yeah. a German metal band Samuel can definitely L. be. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who was that? Oh. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yep, Samuel L. Jackson. That's right. Samuel Jackson, Vin Diesel, and Romstein, dude, done, right? Like, so metal. That's the the Hollywood trifecta. Right there. So I, I was watching this video, and I wondered, Mike, why did you choose this one? And I didn't find out until about four minutes in. So just to paint the picture, paint a nice little audio word picture for, for everyone, is they have, like, a portable flamethrower that the lead singer is using to have some pyrotechnics going along which is all really cool. And then, oh my God, he just pointed at some dude that ran on stage. And this dude is now on fire. Like, holy sh**. He just lit this dude on fire. Now there's a guy on fire running across the stage. Their shows are so nuts. And what's what's really weird is the guy shows no emotion while he's doing it. Right? No. He's just like, hey, cool. You, bro, on fire. He's like, hey, you, bro, Dracaris. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I-, I wondered why, because like a couple of the other songs from this live DVD, like he comes out there with like these angel wings on when he sings uh, sings that song, uh, Angel, right? Angel? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's angel in, in, in German, English. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> in English. No, it's not. We don't know English, Steve. Oh, we, we don't, don't know, know language. Oh. <laughs> but he walks out there. really screwed up my English. <laughs> So he walks out there, Lee Singer walks out there with this these giant metal wings, and they unfold in the middle of the song, 
and then they light on fire at the tips and then fire spews out during the chorus so nuts I'm like, oh, so much fire. And I've been to Disneyland when they light, you know, the pond on fire for Phantasmic and all that stuff, right? Like, I've been there when they do that. And you can feel that fire. Like, it's it's a nice, warm, like, kind of glow. And I'm like, ooh, especially on a cold night at Disneyland, it's great. But at a hot, sweaty metal show, I think the last thing I want is, like, more heat. Can we have some, like, Elsa Frozen Let It Go uh, metal in here, please? Because I want a snowstorm right now with all this mosh pit happening. And they bring up Betraying the Martyrs and... Then it yeah, just and goes then, south. And then, it, then everything goes goes bad. <laughs> Sorry, metal bands. When you cover Let It Go, and that's your number one song, I think you're doing something wrong. Gotta go back to the drawing board, guys. Go draw a new logo. Draw a new logo. There we go. One that has 50 more letters than your current logo. Yeah, you, got, you gotta step up your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get more brutal. Crank that up to 11. Exactly. So... I think that rounds out our list for famous metal bands that take it to 11. I would like to add one honorable mention to this list, and that is a local metal band from Madison, Wisconsin, where I used to live for a number of years. That band is Lords of the Trident. If you haven't heard of these guys, go check them out. They're a great bunch of guys. They're really dedicated to what they do. They dress up in their own costumes. I wouldn't say to the extreme as Guar, but they're really unique. They have their own stage names, their own backstories, the whole nine yards. Their shows are super, super fun. Their singer, he has like a guitar hero guitar that he lights on fire. Oh, yes. That's pretty fun. They've got a lot of really good songs. One really good one off of their 2018 album, Shadows from the Past, is called Death Dealer. Very much in, in my wheelhouse, the, yeah, the riffage so. in this one. Yeah, exactly. That's why I brought it up, too. I was like, oh, yeah, I have I totally forgot to show you this band, and I know you're going to love them. Yep. Yeah, man, it, and it's it's really fun when, when a band can kind of, like, capture everything you love about, about metal in, like, the first 30 seconds of a song. Oh, yeah. And this album, which is, you know, one of their latest albums, uh, or their latest album, I should say, at this uh, time of this recording. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just grabbed me right from the beginning. And then... You know, spoiler alert, looking down a couple songs, who's uh, featured on a track, but uh, the one and only Britney Slays yeah, from I was Unleash the Archers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, all right, dude, hooked and sinker, like done, man. <laughs> yeah, these guys do a lot of really, really cool stuff um, that's not necessarily part of the band, but they like incorporate it into the band. They put on a lot of really awesome events around the Madison area and even the region as well. Um, they do some tours every now and then, but they put so much effort into this band. It's amazing. Definitely an inspiration to all up and coming metal bands that if you want to make, if you want to be seen, take a page from the, these guys' book. Very awesome. Yep. Well, I think that pretty much rounds it out in general. Do you have anything you want to discuss during our uh, wrap-up section here? Yeah, you know, usually I, I've had some wrap-up just in terms of what's been going on with my, like, music reintegration, I'll call it. Yeah. As part of this year, you know, trying to kind of get reacquainted with guitar and guitar playing. 
So I mentioned before that I'm you know trying to find cases to you know get my guitars all all back together. I'm also like reorganizing my desk to be kind of more suited to actual like playing and hooking up and recording a little bit more. And I, I realized the other day that I don't have enough space for all my guitars. Oh. Now, enough space is probably a bad thing to say because there are tons of space on the walls and I could put guitars everywhere if I really wanted to. Let's just say that uh, I don't hmm, I don't trust all the all of the hands in the household to make sure that all these guitars stay up on their, on their spots. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I want places to put them where they're going to be secured, uh, at least the guitars that, you know, have I've, I've spent, you know, some money on. Uh, but I need to get rid of at least one guitar. So I have a couple Schecters, you know, which are just guitars that I I bought like kind of through my metal phases, right? Uh, and then I have the very first Squire that I got, and then I have this old Ibanez that was kind of like gifted to me from another family member, where they're just like, "Hey, this is you know a guitar we have here. You go." So now I'm kind of running through like, well, which one do I want to get rid of? Because it's hard to get rid of your first guitar, right? I think for yep. every player that's like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you regret it? I mean, like I'm sensing some regret in that voice there. Uh... Every now and then I regret it. But I kind of look back and the way I approach my guitar collection is how often am I using each guitar? What I really like about having multiple guitars is different tunings. So I've got, there's a lot of different tunings that I enjoy playing in. And I don't want to have to constantly be tuning, you know, one guitar or two guitars into different tunings. So having a number of them in the set tunings I want, I think is a good amount. But my first guitar, which was a Bronze Series BC Ridge Warlock. So like bottom of the line, like $100 metal intro guitar. Yeah. I have a lot of good memories of that guitar, but as I started acquiring more of them, I just never played it. And I won't lie, like, I put up with the uncomfortableness of that guitar for so long, and the strap that I had for it would never stay on. It was very frustrating, so it had its ups and its downs. Sometimes I think about it, I'm just like, oh, maybe I should have kept it. I don't know. It's also like my first car, too. Like, I had a lot of fun times in my first car, but it was also a piece of junk. Sometimes I kick myself in the head for selling my first car, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a really not good looking 1968 Ford Mustang. Don't be fooled by the name. It was not good looking. It was the only car that could fit on top of electrical boxes. Hey, now we're now we're getting personal. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. For more info on that, just DM us. We'll explain the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so... And I totally I totally hear you there, right, where I think the the approach that I had was I, I wanted to keep guitars. Yes, that I could keep in the tunings that I want to. Right. So that's why I plan on keeping the two sectors that I have one, which has kind of like a six way tone switch for kind of just more versatile playing. So I keep that in standard tuning, right, like a pretty versatile guitar, you know, just can kind of jump in and play whatever. And then I have my, you know, just standard double humbucker like Omen six from Schecter, right, which is just a low kind of low end budget metal guitar right it had like a pretty good you know chunky sound to it which i which i liked so i keep that in you know some metal tuning like drop d or drop c right so something low something heavy and just keep that around so it really comes down to do i keep the the ibanez or the or the squire right it's my first guitar or the guitar that is arguably a better guitar for like kids to learn because of the neck sizing and the fret sizing things like that right ibanez has really skinny necks which are good for smaller hands Usually that's a, that's a thing. So 
I don't know which one I want to keep. I, I'm probably going to end up keeping my first guitar because as of this moment, knock on wood, or um, I don't want to say knock on wood, but as of this second, none of the kids have really expressed an, a keen interest or a, a vested interest in playing guitar or learning guitar. So it's hard for me to justify keeping a guitar that I never played, have never played, really have no desire to play. Yeah, I think you have your answer then there, man. Yeah, I know. I just need to talk it out. So so, so thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I was going to say, for my two cents, you know, definitely keep your first guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I hated mine, definitely keep it. Uh, so I, th- I don't know. I think in terms of quality, your first guitar was much better than mine. <laughs> mine was still, you know, $100, like, Fender it was still a hundred like, yeah, Fender Squire, but I don't know. Like I still think overall I remember when like I would always come over to your house after school every now and then and I would bring my guitar over and I would play yours. I'm just like, damn, this guitar like feels great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Why does my guitar hurt so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just comfort wise? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like trying to play on your guitar. I'm like, this is awkward. Like, how does how does he do this? Like my arms like way up here, like trying to Yeah. Yeah. And like it had some dings even like from the beginning. Like I remember there was one section on like the front of the body where it just had like an impression, like something had like rammed into it. And I always noticed that. And I noticed it the day after I bought it. And I was just like, well, this sucks. Like, this is my first guitar. Like, I wanted it to be all nice, but I guess it's what I get for $100. Yeah, I looked at the Squire the other day and it's got some battle scars, man. I'm like, I don't remember dropping it there. <laughs> I don't remember when that happened. Or I dropped it a couple times, but I don't remember the, all those scrapes and scratches. Yeah. I remember having lofty ambitions to like switch out the pick guard for a different color and all of the pickups for different colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the furthest I got was having the little tone switch uh, knob at the top. <laughs> Just the little, the little like yeah. code one. Little knob, yeah. <laughs> oh so God. it's all white pickup guards, all white pickups, and then this little black uh, <laughs> knob on the tone switch. <laughs> like, yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's so metal. And it was red, too, because, like, I wanted the uh, the black one, and they didn't have any black ones at the guitar shop. So, like, we have red. And I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> I would have liked uh, my guitar in another color, but they only sell them in black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, anytime I wanted, like, a decently priced, metal-shaped, sweet guitar, black every single time. I get it. Metal's dark. It's cool. But also, like, let's stand out from each other a little bit. Let's try some different colors. Like, guys, I'm already wearing black. No one's going to be able to see the guitar. Exactly. I want them to see the cool shape of it. I can't change my wardrobe. Like, I have to wear the black. Yeah. Also, the lights are going to be dim when I'm playing. It's not like you're going to have a bunch of spotlights on me. I'm not that famous. Exactly. Come on, guys, have a clue. If you're selling a budget guitar, don't make it black. Exactly, exactly. And then over the years, Ibanez has started catching my eye. So I think I've bought more Ibanez's than I have any other brand. So yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if, if I if I bought another guitar, this is totally going off the rails in our wrap up section, but I love it. Yeah. If I bought another guitar at this point, I'd really be hard pressed to choose between a Jackson and an Ibanez at this point. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are a lot of really cool Jacksons nowadays. To be honest, though, I love both Ibanez and Jackson. I've got one, two, I've got two Ibanezes, but I've had a total of four in my guitar playing career. And then I have one Jackson, uh, Randy Rhodes. I did recently, 
and by recently I mean like a few months ago, play a Schecter that was really awesome. It's not like their normal Schecters though, so it's not like the the Omen body style. I forgot what it was. Is it the Hellraiser style? It wasn't even a Hellraiser. It was something completely different, and that's what caught my eye about it. I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good-looking guitar. And then I saw the headstock, and I was like, whoa, that's a Schecter? Like, I would not have expected it. Like, the headstock almost reminded me of, like, a reverse Stratocaster. So it had humbucker pickups, but I believe that they were coil-tapped. So then it had a switch on one of the tone knobs where you pull it up, and mm-hmm. it switches them to single coils. Uh, okay, so it's probably the Reaper series. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, these oh, look pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I can't remember. I think it might have been the seven string one that I played. Yeah, I saw the um, seven string. Just the regular, uh, not the multi-scale one, just the regular. Mm-hmm. That was totally it. Man, and like we talked about just a little while ago how guitar styles were like, oh, they're all black. You know, it's like, these are not black. These uh, These Reaper... No, there's a lot of guitars coming out now that have this like really awesome, like kind of natural wood color, but then like part of it's like got um, a color around it or incorporated with it. I think that's super awesome. Yeah, I mean, this guitar looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was just like, why do I have to be so poor right now? I would buy you right now. <laughs> Man, this this is must be like brand new 2019 model. Yep. Because I'm like, I've never seen a guitar in that style before yeah yeah i saw it at a guitar center uh, a few months ago i wonder if they still have it mm, maybe i will gladly pay you tomorrow for a guitar today, oh, today. yeah <laughs> <laughs> gladly pay you thursday for this guitar today can i, can I just like take it home for a test drive <laughs> yeah right like that's a thing you test drive cars so like auto dealers are like letting you take them home for a night and is that a thing now I've heard about that, yeah. At least a few years ago, I've heard about that. I don't know if like they're still doing it. Maybe they ran into problems and stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I could potentially see. Uh, but I guess if they run your insurance and like, okay, cool, you're on the hook if anything happens. So, Yeah, if you got that full coverage, then they don't care. Make sure your coverage is ramped up to 11. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so only the metalheads get to uh, <laughs> take the cars home to test drive because we take it to 11. No, no, they only have eleven dollars worth of insurance. I mean, oh man, is that a self burn? I mean, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at MetallurgyCast and on Facebook as Metallurgy Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email guitar at metallurgycast.com or click the submit follow-up link in the show notes. If you've got a minute, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach other headbangers across the globe. If you have questions, thoughts, song or artist recommendations, please let us know. Share the podcast with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes when they drop.
Numano. Oh yeah, Numano. You're right. God damn, dude. German has really fucked up my English. <laughs> I swear, dude. Like after like after like my third year in German, I felt like I didn't know anything at about anything, and I was just like, I don't know how to say words. Like what? What are words? Like I know what what it sounds like in my head and what my thoughts are, but I can't make it into a cohesive thing that other people can understand <sighs> yeah we're getting good at this <laughs> yeah i mean I, th- I think we've learned to manage our funnies yeah. you just gotta learn the englishes Ugh. tune in next week while we try to figure out english <laughs> tune in next week for duolingo with adam and steve the cow uh-huh. says woof <laughs> wait the cow says moof oh wait move, that's still wrong move out the way <laughs> move move out the way get out the way dog move out the way i need to catch my breath for a second <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying all that nonsense yeah oh my gosh i mean props to you man like you, you went through that whole thing and you nailed the pronunciation i, I mean that's a win that's that's a cranking that win up to 11 in my yeah book. yeah i feel good <laughs> i feel accomplished <laughs> i feel like i can go to sleep and wake up tomorrow because i did a thing today yeah and it was pronounced an obscure metal band song title without any mistakes <laughs> exactly small victories right small victories indeed